People said, hey, are you going to, you know, uh, you know, honor, you know, 9-11, and, and I said, of course, we're, gonna, we're going to do that, and, and we're going to pray, and, and, uh, and have a moment of silence, and um, I just want to just, you know, our country today from 10 years ago uh, is, a, is a lot different um, in many, many ways. Uh, 10 years ago, um, we were, our economy was booming, uh, by and large, and uh, today it's it's not booming so much, uh, and a lot of hard hit people and uh, hard hit situations and companies and and uh, it just reminded me as I thought about saying anything, um, our desire or our need to um, to pray, to pray for our country, to pray for our leaders, and uh, so I just want to say thanks to those that sent some notes and uh, uh, to encourage me. Uh, to, to be able to, uh, to remember, and, uh, and for each of us, Lord, that God would uh, just touch us and help us to remember and not to take for granted some of the things that, uh, that we often do. Amen? Amen. And amen, amen. Again, last week, if you were not here, I want to encourage you, even if you're a first-time guest today, uh, to grab a disc from last week. We should have made enough for everyone. Uh, that was missing last week. I think we had 24 families or individuals missing last week for Labor Day, and so there was a lot. And uh, where's Ben? Uh, ben Scott. I, I, ben, thank you for making those discs. And it might have been a family effort. I understand somewhat. Uh, we appreciate it. And uh, so those are for you. And again, that was kind of an introduction to uh, our our series that I've been calling the story of Genesis. Um, and we will be spending the fall looking at the book of Genesis. And, uh, and last week, again, was my story. Uh, when we look at the story of Genesis, it's really a book of stories. And uh, uh, the, uh, the story of creation, which we'll look at today. And then we kind of move into the story of Adam and Eve, and then Noah and Abraham, the story of Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. And uh, just a great, great foundational book. And uh, I want to encourage you to be reading the book of Genesis. You may have noticed on your way in, there was a uh, display in the lobby. And uh, in the center of it kind of says the story of Genesis, which is uh, our theme for the fall. And uh, we want to encourage you to read through the book of Genesis. And some say, well, should I do a chapter a day or should I just read it all in one sit sitting? Um, some, some were saying uh, last week, could I read it with my family? Could we listen to it? Any of those things are appropriate, and I would encourage any of those things. We want to get God's Word into your heart. We know that God's Word is powerful, it's active, and when we hear God's Word, when we read God's Word, the Holy Spirit is moving in our lives. Uh, we, it allows the Holy Spirit to, to work inside of us. And our encouragement is that as you read and as you follow along um, over these next several weeks, um, this fall, um, when you finish reading the book of Genesis, whether you read it as a family or you read it individually, we want you to sign the board that's out in the lobby. And I think there's already another signature on there, which is cool. I don't know whose it was. I saw it in passing. And uh, we want you to sign it. And by the end of the fall, before our celebration service of 10 years of ministry on December 
4th, I believe, um, I, we want to put the glass back on and hang it on the wall and just as a, as a reminder of God's Word working in our lives, all right? And so we want every single person, young and old, to read the book of Genesis. And, uh, and so, and in those of you that are getting the disc, you'll hear about that again. We're going to remind you uh, as we go through, and, um, uh, and it'll be great. How many have ever heard the statement, we need to get back to the book of Genesis, you ever heard that before? People you know, say that in passing. And the reason I think people say that is because Genesis is foundation for our lives. And there's a lot of truth in Genesis. But I want to kind of, instead of saying, let's get back to the book of Genesis, I want to say, let's go forward with the book of Genesis. And that's going to be our mantra um, as we continue to dive in, as we dive in today. It's a foundation of God's purpose in our lives, I believe Genesis is. And I said it's a book of beginnings last week. It's a book of stories. It's God's message right from his lips to his people. And in the book of Genesis, we see God as a living God, as a sovereign God, as powerful, as righteous, as holy, as good and gracious. And how many know Genesis answers some huge, huge questions, some big questions about life, the world's origin, the the origin of mankind, where did sin come from, what about salvation and redemption? And uh, as we just dive in today uh, to the story of of uh, creation, there's a presupposition I want to make sure that we are all clear on and that we understand. That when we look at God's Word, as we open these pages to the first page, all the way to the very last page, we believe at the Gateway Church that God's Word is the truth. All right? And there have been battles fought over specifics, especially over the first chapter and for a few verses in chapter 2 of Genesis. And uh, in fact, as I was reading, um, one, of the, one of the commentaries I'm using uh, is a little commentary by Howard Voss. Listen to what it says about some of the controversy um, of the specifics, okay? It says, probably over no other part of Scripture has so many battles been fought over the book of Genesis. Theologians, scientists, historians, and students of literature have subjected it to the uh, to the minute examinations and criticisms but with all their attention they have been a- they have they have been able neither to exhaust its contents nor destroy its message and the measure of its greatness is seen in its continuing ability to command the attention of scholars and laymen alike throughout the world. Now, I say that to say that there are lots of different views, of, uh, especially when we look at the story of creation today. But when we look at God's scripture, we know that scripture is God's revelation. It's his message to his people. And because of that, it's authoritative and it's trustworthy. And we want to, you know, that's a presupposition that we want to just make crystal clear that we believe God's word, okay? Now, does anyone know who wrote the book of Genesis? Moses, that's right. Moses was not there at the beginning of time. 
In fact, it was uh, 400 years, after 400 years of slavery, as the children of Israel were uh, exiting uh, and, and headed towards the promised land, that God prompted Moses to write some things down. It was a supernatural revelation uh, that, that came from God through Moses, and the, the, the words were written down, and they became God's word to us. And the words were written down at that time to remind the Israelites about the truths of themselves, that they are God's people, that God has a plan. And we're going to even look at some of these things. And uh, it's interesting that they were coming out of a season of slavery, and Moses used these words in Genesis to remind them that God is a God of redemption, a God of salvation, that he has a plan and a purpose. And I just want to challenge us that as we consider where we are today, maybe we're in a place of slavery, so to speak. Maybe there's some bondage or, or some things that we just haven't been able to get past in our lives. And as we flip through these verses, as we read God's word together, I pray that God would show us, like he did the, the, for the first listeners, um, that, that God is in control and that we could surrender uh, uh, to his will and to his, to what his ways for us. Amen? Now, the story of creation is found in Genesis chapter 1 through Genesis chapter 2, verse 3. Now, how the specifics came about, uh, we don't know exactly. It is not an exhaustive uh, or even not even close. It's just a, a, a broad sketch of six creative days, and then, then it kind of describes uh, the first couple, and uh, we understand that. But when we look around, and we understand that the purpose that, or I understand that, uh, that Moses wrote these words down as a broad reminder that God was in control. Now, if you go to Psalm 19 and look there, it says that the heavens and the skies declare God. How many have ever, you know, taken, a, taken your family out or maybe you're just yourself and you look up at night and you look at the moon? Last night we did that as a, as a family with our neighbor. They brought out a telescope and it was a near full moon and, and we're looking through this telescope, looking at the craters and, and you look at even the moon or you look up at the stars and it's hard to imagine that, that there isn't a God. There are people that would say there is no God, but I'm saying, man, you look out at the expanse and it's incredible. But how much more than you know, just looking at the stars or the heavens, that, that declares God. But when we read Genesis 1, creation screams that God was in control. God is the subject in these, in these, uh, in these verses. It's his actions. It's his words. And this morning, I want to focus on five foundations of purpose for our lives that are found in the story of Genesis. And so, uh, you know, I know that you love this when we say, turn to Genesis chapter 1. I don't think anyone should have a problem finding that. If you do, just open up your Bible and flip to the first page. And uh, I want to look at uh, Genesis chapter 1 through chapter 2, verse 3. And we're not going to read the whole account. In fact, I'm just going to highlight uh, the first, the first uh, verse here to start. Genesis 1.1 says this. It says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 
Now, I remember back when I was studying Hebrew in college, um, Jessica, you might remember this, we had to memorize the first chapter of Genesis, uh, the creation account in Hebrew. And you remember the little uh, you know, tape recording, our class, we'd, you know, we'd be like, Breshit bara Elohim, Eid HaShemayim it's something like that, I forget. John, I'm looking at you, did you ever take Hebrew? Yeah, aren't you glad we're past that? Yes, me too. But anyway, there's 10 English words here, and in Hebrew, there are only seven in that first phrase. And in that first phrase, there are answers to what is all this about? What is creation all about? What did it, uh, or how did it all start? When did it begin, and, and who did it? And through Moses, like I was saying, God revealed what happened. In these broad strokes of creativity, God uh, made the earth. And then he made the first couple and answering the question, where did man come from? And who did the creating? It was God. And how did he do it? He spoke it. And how specifically did it happen? It doesn't say, okay? But God dominates the creation story. If you read through scripture there, uh, we see that the word Elohim, which is, which is God, there are 35 different times in those 38 verses or so of the creation story where God is the subject. If you go to the New Testament, to John chapter 1, verse, th- verse 3 is the focus, but I'll start in 1. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was God in the beginning. Verse 3, it says, through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. John 1, 1 through 3. Again, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, we read that in our, when I was talking about worship, we see that it was for by him all things were created, by Christ, by Jesus, by, by God, things in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. The focus of creation is God. And that's where I want to start this morning when we talk about these foundations of purpose. The first foundation is that it was God in the beginning. And the reason this is so important is because uh, uh, creation has been criticized and been under scrutiny by scientists and by theologians. And and it's important that we believe what Scripture says and we understand what Scripture says. The reason it's so important is because if we don't believe the first chapter in the Bible, the rest of Scripture would be faulty as well. Do you understand what I'm saying? One one theologian I, I was reading this week said this. His name is Henry Morris. He said, if the Bible's truths about creation are not acceptable to the modern mind, then there's no reason to think that the biblical commandments are applied to modern morality or that the biblical truths about the future are meaningful in planning for your future. The idea that is, is, it's so important that if we don't understand or if we don't believe the, the first things that are written in God's word, the reliability of the Bible passes with the wind. Now, there's alternatives. We can, there's, there's kind of two uh, modes of, of thinking, either creation or evolution. 
And I'm not an expert in this. I used to think, uh, you know, there, there's got to be a way that you can meld the two. And, and certainly, you know, in God's time, at, at, at some point when we get to heaven, uh, we will see things clearly and we will understand perfectly. But can we just agree that at this point, we look through a dim glass, I think the Bible says, that we don't understand perfectly all of the things. But you put science aside, all the arguments aside, and there's a major problem with evolution. Evolution depersonalizes God. And if we believe what evolution, uh, the theory says, it depersonalizes God, I believe, even in our own lives. And you know what's interesting is that even science struggles with the theory of evolution, and they call it a theory of evolution because it's a still a theory. It's unproven. They're still trying to figure it out. And you know, as I was interested, I, I was in a, I had took some high level science classes in, in uh, high school. And I remember sitting there reading about the Big Bang Theory, okay? And this is just me. I remember sitting there and thinking, okay, uh, you know, it's that all this energy came together and boom, everything existed all at once. And I'm thinking, that's kind of what the Bible says, isn't it? That out of nothing, things were created. And I, I don't know, that's just my personal word. Now, it's, it wasn't out of some cosmic energy. We know that it was out of God speaking those words. And, uh, and there was a process in, in the matter. Austin Clark in the Quarterly of Biology, uh, it's a periodical for scientists, says this. It says, as far as it concerns the major groups of animals, it says, this is a scientist uh, who studies this, he says, the creationists seem to have the best argument. I love that. They Even God uh, will reveal himself in science if, they allow, uh, if a scientist would allow them to do so. Now you say, well, is it really that big of a deal whether I believe in evolution or creation? I think it is. For one, I, you know, we, we say you know, it, it really determines the rest of the Bible. Also, it, it depersonalizes God if you believe the other way. But listen to what G. Richard Bozer said in the American Atheist um, magazine. Listen to what it says. It says, Christianity has fought and still fights and will fight science to the desperate end over evolution because evolution destroys utterly and finally the very reason Jesus' life was supposedly made necessary. Now, this is an atheist that believes in evolution saying this. It says, You destroy Adam and Eve in original sin, and in the rubble you will find the sorry remains of the Son of God. If Jesus was not the Redeemer that died for our sins and is, and, and that is what, uh, what evolution means, this is not a Christian talking, of course, then Christianity is nothing. It is important, church, that we stand for God's truth, that we understand and we can dive in and we can look at a theory, and, and some of our kids at school will, will learn about this theory or this philosophy, but we got to understand that that theory depersonalizes who Jesus is. It's a battle for truth, and I just want to challenge you to look at the facts, 
to, to let the facts tell the story. I'm not a big arguer. Um, in fact, I remember in science class, um, I sat there and uh, I remember answering questions about evolution the way my teacher would want to or that the book did. And then my parents, they said, they said, if you want, you can add in your, your own explanation or what the, what the Bible says as well. And I did that on a few, uh, few times and I still got an A in the class, and, and, but I wasn't a fighter when it came to that, that sort of thing. But I want to encourage you that the truth of God's word is reliable. Now, Genesis is a foundation of purpose. And it's been under attack. We believe that God created everything that we see. We believe that God created each of us. It's the core truth. It's, it's the purpose of Genesis. And uh, it's reflected again in Jeremiah 29, 11, that God has a plan for us. And so I wanted us to, as we get our minds around the, the creation story, and as you will read the, the, the creation story, as you read through Genesis, to understand that it all is, starts with God. It's God in the beginning. Now, the second foundation that I want us to look at is that God's word was at the start of each day. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, verse 6, verse 9, verse 14, verse 20, verse 24, verse 26, in each of those accounts, in each of those verses, it says, and God said. God spoke and things existed. And when we look at that, we understand that it's the power of God. It's the creativity of God. He spoke. Now, has science been able to replicate what God did? No. But does that disregard what happened? Absolutely not, because we serve a supernatural God. And we believe that it's supernaturally possible for God to speak and for things that were nothing to exist now. And that is an important truth that we understand. And what's interesting is that at the start of each day, God spoke. And we're going to come back to this, that at the start of each of our days, it's important to be listening to what God is saying in our lives. But there's a third foundation as well as we move through these. As we look at this, we see God and his joy at the end of each day. If you've read through the, the creation account, which I, I would assume that probably most of us have, or you will be here in the next week or so, it starts off with God speaking, saying for things to become as they weren't. But then at the end of each day, it says, it was good. It was good. What's important about that to me is that nothing God created is evil. And we can enjoy his creation, all of it. God wants us to enjoy our days, even in difficult seasons, to look for things that will bring us joy and to be thankful in the process. A fourth foundation is that God, we see God moving in steps, that there was a process of creation. Now the question is, could God have created everything all at once? in an instant. I believe that he could have. But why would he have taken six days to do that? 
Well, I believe that God is a God of order, that there was day one, and then day two, and then day three. And there are lots of theories about, you know, how long were those days? Was it a literal 24-hour day? Or was it a, a period of time? Or, and, and there was, uh, as I was reading, there was just a list of all different uh, ideas there. But what I want you to know and to focus on is that creation is an orderly unfolding of the mind and the purpose of God. We may not know the specifics or to get our mind around all those things, but aren't you glad, I'm sure the fish are, that water was created before the fish were put in it. I, I know that, that the trees were created before the drafts were created, so there was something to eat. And God had a plan, a perfect order in creation. And how many know if there was a plan in a beehive, and we just are dealing with a beehive right now at our house uh, that's in the ground, yellow jackets, and uh, nasty. And, uh, but, uh, but if there's a plan inside the ground there and everything works perfectly uh, and God created it that way, how much more is there a plan for our lives? Amen? And that God is a God of order. And He wants us to consider what is the next step for our lives. And we'll talk about that in a second as we reflect on these things. And then the fifth foundation is that God, we see God again. He rests at the end of the day. Why did God rest? Did he have to? Was he tired? I love what Isaiah 4 says. It says, is God like a man who gets tired? And of course, the answer is no. God doesn't get tired. But God rested as an example in Hebrews 4, 3, it says that he rested because he was finished. Universe is not, our universe is not some unfinished symphony. But God finished what he started. And what's interesting about that is that he finished creation and he was good to his word that in that, in that we can take God at his word that he is going to come back for us someday and that he is going to help us and he's going to fulfill each and every promise he has made. But he rested because he was finished. He also rested to give us an example. In Exodus chapter, uh, chapter 20, uh, we get the Ten Commandments and in there, there's the commandment to Sabbath, to rest he gave us an example because he knew that you and I needed rest. Because if we don't rest, we will break down. And you know what's interesting is I was thinking about this. Some people, they, they almost wear it as a badge of honor, how busy they are or how they just go and go and go. That's not what God's word teaches. There are seasons and cycles and, and God wants us to rest. And uh, we'll talk about that in a second as we wrap up. But we're to rest physically and emotionally and spiritually that we would become recharged. And there's one other reason I believe God rested, and we find it in the, if we read through Hebrew chapter 4, is that he rested to fulfill his plan for the ages, to enter into his rest, that he, for eternity we will spend uh, our time with God. Now, I want to recap these, look at these five foundations, and I want us to, to consider our own lives in these things. When we look at the story of creation, the focus, of course, is God. 
And I want you to, to understand that. And it's God, first of all, in the beginning. God at the beginning of everything in our lives. And I want to challenge you that you are a person of purpose. That God has a plan. He has known you from the beginning of time. And so the idea that you could just slide through life and not understand God's purpose and will, I believe, is, uh, is detrimental to anyone. Our lives, we find purpose in understanding that God created us. He created each of us for himself, for his glory, and he has a plan. And so I want to challenge you in this next week to take some time, maybe 10 or 15 or maybe 30 minutes, and just to rest with the idea that God, from the beginning of time, has everything in order, that you are a person of purpose. And just to sit with that idea. The second truth that we looked at is that God, He started each day with His Word. And God said over and over as you read through the creation account. And I want to challenge you this week that you would start your days with God's Word. Because as you listen to God's Word, as you read God's Word, it will speak to character. It will speak His will into your life. And if you spend even a moment or two in God's Word, I believe that that is a great foundation that we see in the creation story, but then also in our lives as we move forward. The third truth is that God, He found joy at the end of each day. And I'm wondering how many of us rejoice or thank God for our days. It's interesting, He said at the end of each day, it is good. And I'm wondering how many of us, when we hit our head on the pillow, are we the type that will say, God, thank you for this day? I can tell you, uh, Jessica could, could tell you probably better, but uh, almost every night, I don't know where this started, but I, when I get into bed and I, I snuggle up with my pillow, I say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for another day. And it's just kind of simple. I just kind of breathe it out. Isn't that true? And, uh, and it's just something that God has, you know, I don't know where it started or, or why. But I, as I thought about that, I thought, man, how healthy is that for us to say it is good? I got an email this week and, uh, uh, from Julie Mockerman. And uh, Alvin, I know that, uh, that she was really going through it. Uh, and I had sent her a little postcard. Julie doesn't attend here very often because of uh, some special needs at home. And, uh, but I, I was thinking about her and praying for her. And she said, man, if you weren't praying for me this week, just think about how bad my week was after she like, listed out all these crazy things. But what I loved about Julie, and uh, if you know her or have ever met her, she had a great outlook on life. Uh, even though she described in, in length some of the trials and the struggles that she was facing in the past week, uh, Alvin, it was awesome. You've got a wonderful life. Uh, and, and to see that she was still thankful for the provision of God in her life. And I want to challenge you that when your head hits the pillow, the last few moments before your eyes close and you are off into dreamland, would you 
thank God? Would you say it is good? Would you rejoice even in tough times, but in the good, in the bad, in, in everything? Find a reason to rejoice. Amen? Number four, God, we see him working in a plan for our lives. We saw a plan, a steps of creation, uh, day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, and then he rested. But he, there was a plan. And I believe that not only is there a plan in creation, but there's a plan for God in our lives. And I want us to consider this week as we leave here, well, God, what is the next step in your plan for me? What is the next thing you have for me to do? What is it, God, in my growth, uh, in growing in you, that you would have that would be foundational, that, that would help me to be solid, to grow in him? And then the last thing is that God rested. And I'll tell you, I was reading this week about a pastor that prided himself in not taking a day off uh, he worked every day, not following God's, God's plan. And, uh, and as I read this, this uh, short story about this pastor, he was out of California, out of Orange County area, um, he, he wore it as a badge of honor. And, uh, and it really related to me because I'm in ministry, and, and sometimes you know, it's easy just to go and to go and to go. And uh, we, we, like I said earlier, we almost are prideful of that. Oh, we're, we're busy. How are you doing? Oh, it's been busy. You know? And we say, oh, what in the world? But there is something about taking a day off. And for this pastor, after a season of about three years not taking a day off, he had an emotional and spiritual and physical breakdown in his life. And he described just the pain that came and, and, uh, and just the, the heartache because he had not rested. He had not taken time off. And, uh, and, and I just, uh, I want to challenge us to take a day off, to rest, to put your feet up, to relax. Because when we do that personally, it, it energizes us. If God rested, if he showed us the example to do that, I have a homework assignment for each and every one of you to find your Sabbath, to rest. And some of you are saying, well, you don't know my circumstances. I can't, I can't find time to rest. I want to challenge you. Don't work so hard. <laughs> work is unto the Lord for six days, but find a day, find a time to truly rest, and I believe that it will be a blessing to you. And I want to say to the young people here, um, it, in life, um, school, in all the challenges of maybe sports or other clubs or other things, uh, it's important to rest even as a young person, to find time to relax, put your feet up, and I believe that God, He honors that in our lives. All right. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. God, we just walked through five foundations of purpose in our lives to understand that you are, it's all about you our lives are from the very beginning. That each day needs to start with your words and each day needs to end with a thank, thankful heart. That we need to consider what's the next step in our 
in our life. And Lord, the challenge to rest, to slow down, to look at our schedules and consider how are we doing. And Lord, we thank you for moments of reality checks like this where we can examine, we can determine, okay, how are we doing? We can evaluate. And Lord, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts and Lord, that we would commit to considering these things in our lives and that it would go beyond just what we hear this morning. But Lord, as we read through the book of Genesis, God, that it would impact us over and over that we would address some of these areas in our lives. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for speaking to our hearts this morning and revealing yourself to us in a special way. Lord, we'll give you the praise. We'll give you all the glory for all these things. Now, this morning, as you're here, I don't want to take for granted that you know God's plan for your life. See, God's word is crystal clear. And God's word says that he desires for you to have a relationship with him. And if you are here this morning and you are away from God, something has happened in your relationship with God. Maybe at one point you were sold out and and uh, on fire for God, but you're realizing that you're dry, that there's, there's a, a break in your relationship with God, I believe God wants you to restore that relationship, restore that joy of your salvation, so to speak. You may be here this morning and have never given your heart to Jesus. And I, I just want to challenge you this morning. Don't leave here without committing your life to the Lord. There is nothing more important in life than to make sure that your eternity is taken care of. Because the fact is, we don't know what our tomorrow holds. There's not one of us that is guaranteed our, even our next breath. But this morning, we can know 100% sure where we'd spend an eternity if we surrender our lives to the Lord. I just want to challenge you here. If you're here this morning, you're saying, that's me. I want to know for sure. I want to restore that relationship in my life or I want to establish that relationship. Would you, just in this moment of honesty, with no one looking around, just heads bowed, eyes closed, uh, would you raise your hand and I want to pray for you and uh, just ask God to touch and uh, to come into your heart. Is there anyone this morning that would respond in that way? Yeah. Anyone at all? I'm looking on my right, your left, saying, yep, that's me. I want to make sure that my life is right with the Lord. How about in the center section? Yeah, okay. And then on my left, yeah, I see that hand. Thank you. Young man, thank you. Yeah. There's one, one young man that raised his hand. And I don't want to embarrass him. But would we support him 
and pray a prayer with him, asking God to cleanse all of our hearts, to make our lives new. I want to challenge you just to repeat this prayer after me, especially uh, the gentleman that raised his hand. Say this after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, please come into my life and save me. Forgive me of my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I fix my eyes on you. Lord, help me to know you, to experience you. And I'll give you the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer, even if you prayed it uh, corporately, it's not the words of that prayer that save you. There's nothing magical about the words, but there is something magical as we surrender our hearts to the Lord. Amen? And I love what Scripture says, that even in, uh, uh, even in the darkest situations, God is able to pick us up and to help us through no matter what we're facing. And then it also says in Scripture that the, the angels in heaven rejoice when even one person surrenders their life their life to, to him. And so we have a lot to be thankful for this morning. Amen? Amen. Lord, we thank you, God, for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. In Jesus' name. I want you to stand this morning, and I want you to, uh, as, as I pray a prayer of benediction, um, I want you just to let these things just be sealed in your heart, those five foundations of truth, to take those and to consider those throughout the week. Next week, we're going to look at the story of Adam and Eve. Come ready to be, uh, just to be challenged. And, uh, but let me pray a prayer of benediction, and then you are dismissed. And I uh, pray that God would just go before you, behind you, and all around you. And Lord, we ask this for your glory, for your honor, in working inside of each and every one of us. And all God's people said together, Amen and amen. If you need prayer for anything at all, you can come and we will pray with you, anoint you with oil. Otherwise, go in the grace of God. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.